I declare the scripture, Zechariah 2 5, over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, Welcome to Faith I City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Now, here's your host, Marina Maria. And uh, and speaking to your listeners, I was born, as any good little Jewish boy was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, that is. And I grew up pretty much um, with my mother and my sister. My grandmother lived with us uh, later on. And... uh, just kind of grew up when I was, a, my father was a traveling salesman. I saw him, he was home, generally speaking, either every weekend or every other weekend. So I had a very close relationship with my mother. When I was 11 years old, uh, she came down with an illness and died several months later, which created a lot of questions. And I started to ask God, I I was one of those people that I shook my fist at God and said, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? This is, you know, I needed my mother. How could you take the most precious thing in my life away from me at that point in time? Mm -hmm. And I started going like, okay, then that led to, well, why then if, if God really doesn't love me, why am I even a Jew? So I spent the next several years and actually through high school spending a lot of my time in in libraries and I read about Judaism I read about Christianity I read about Shinto Buddhism and on and on and on and on and I looked at them because I was questioning religions and finally I came down to a conclusion this is the flesh conclusion I will always be a white American, male, Jew. Those things cannot change. Sure, you can change your allegiance, but that's who I basically identified with. That's who I was. And when I went in the service, I went in the Navy, and uh, pretty much there was only myself and one other Jewish young man, and we always ended up standing watch, usually two o'clock in the morning, so we ever, never got really a lot of sleep. It was punishment, and we were called kikes, and there was a lot of anti-Semitism. I just kind of let that roll off my back, because that's what it was. Um, and we actually had to go. The only thing the guys liked about us is that when we went to Friday night services, we usually got to bring back all kinds of sandwiches that we'd put under our navy jumpers and we'd hand out to the guys when we got back and that they loved that because we we always brought them those pastrami sandwiches with swiss mm-hmm. cheese <laughs> just everybody liked that so i just kind of coasted along and realized that's who i was when i was 21 i went into the life insurance business and here in arizona and everyone that i worked with were devout Christians. And kind of unbeknownst to me, everyone was praying for me. 
I didn't know this, but they met and they prayed communally for me. How did you feel about that? Well, when I found out, I was thankful later on, but at the time I was like, I, I just didn't know about it. I didn't know that this was even going on. But what had happened is I had a client here in that actually lived in Glendale, uh, not far from where we are, as a matter of fact. And they had a, they were one of my better clients at that time. And they had a daughter who was getting married. The daughter's name was, uh, the, the son, the new coming into the family. Uh, and I still give him credit because I'm still trying to track him down. His name was Pedro Reyes and he was with Campus Crusade for Christ now known as Crew. And we met in Glendale at a at a restaurant. Actually, we had several appointments made and several appointments broken. And it was kind of like my client said, you will be meeting with him. And I went, oh. And I knew what this was going to be all about because I knew Campus Crusade for Christ. And I'm going like, I really don't want to go through this because I really don't want to get... This is this is like having uh, somebody of a certain religion coming to your front door with a tract and saying, trying to witness to you. And I knew it was coming. So we finally met. And in the restaurant, Pedro sat across from me and he brought two books. The first book, he, the first book that he brought was a book by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Being in the insurance industry, I guess I was kind of analytical. So Pedro brought out all the reasons that substantiate that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He laid out all the facts, answered every question. There was no doubt that historically, Jesus Christ was who he said he was. Not just a guy, but the Messiah, the Son of God. It was, it was very clear. But then we moved on, and again, I agree that he was historically who he said he was, but the other side of the coin was, I'm Jewish. I don't even believe in the New Testament, so why are you showing me the New Testament? And... That's pretty critical. So Pedro sat there, and if I can bring this up real quick, Pedro sat there, and he, he was intent in answering all my questions. So what he did is he opened up his other book, which obviously was a Bible. And um, he sat there, and he read from the Bible. I didn't know what he was reading, actually. But he started reading... And he said, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely he borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We are all like sheep and have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth and was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shears is silent. He opened not his mouth and was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Pedro turned to me and he said, Who is that? And even as a Jew, I know that's the story of Jesus. His birth, his acceptance or not acceptance, his scourging, his death, and even his burial in a rich man's grave. And I said, yeah, that's Jesus. And Pedro didn't say a word. He took his Bible, turned it around that it was facing me, and with his index finger, he pushed it across the table to me. He said, you're right. Your prophet Isaiah spoke those words 600 years before Christ. At that moment... I would say the scales fell from my eyes. And I was absolutely indignant that I had been shielded and not seen, and nor had I been told that Christ was the Messiah, the Yeshua HaMashiach. He just, why was that kept from me? I didn't know. But I've since found out that most Jews don't understand the same thing. So how did you, when when God took the scales off your eyes, I, how I, did that feel? The, the emotions were overwhelming, Maria. And just, I sat there and the did tears you, started yeah. to well up. And okay. what was amazing is Pedro prayed for me. I didn't even know how to pray. I mean, really. And he prayed for me and I had, which I'll explain in a second. Of course, I'm sure you already know what it was. While we were praying, I physically felt as though warm oil was poured. And I felt this oil from the top of my head just drip down over my body. And now I know that was the Holy Spirit. Wow, yeah. And uh, that was a pretty amazing time. That was a pretty amazing time. And, and you said you were 31 years old. I was actually, I was about 24. Four, okay, and about this is about three years, two and a half, three years after I had gone in the insurance industry, and it was amazing because when I walked out of there, I was a new creation. I saw things differently. I mean, colors looked different. Words. I was a new creation. Yeah, and just like the word says, oh, it we was become a new creation. Now, have I been defiled since? Yes, I have. And but for those weeks after that experience, everything, things that went into my mouth, things that came out from my mouth, my ears, my eyes, I saw them in a different way. It was it was it was pretty amazing. So this was yeah. a process from the time I was 11 years old 
till the time I was like 24 years old for this metamorphosis for God to work in my life to change things. And it, I would say it wasn't an overnight, it was an overnight instantaneous experience when it happened. But for example, I had, I had gone to church. I was attending a church here in Phoenix and I had gotten a call. I had gotten home from church one and about noonish or so on one o'clock on a Sunday, I had received a call from a gentleman who said, there's a neighbor of yours not too far away that tried, a young lady had tried to commit suicide that morning and she's a Christian, or she's, she's Jewish. Could you go and talk with her? I said, sure. My wife and I went over there and she was not quite despondent. And I sat there and I showed her Again, the scales were off of my eyes, but not off of hers. And I, how did you show her? I we went into the her Bible, the mm-hmm. Bible that she had, mm-hmm. and I started in Genesis, and I showed her uh, that God moved upon the face of the earth. The Spirit of God did this. Went on to Jacob wrestled with. Uh, with one like God at Peniel. I showed her um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and one as God in the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. I showed her probably a dozen or so examples of who God was in the Old Testament. How did she respond? She grabbed the Bible from my hands, and she said, what kind of magic are you pulling here? This is my Bible. I've read it hundreds of times. I've never seen that before. She saw it. And I, I looked at her and the same smile, I'm guessing, that, that Pedro had on his face. I looked at her and said, the scales have fallen from your eyes. That's pretty exciting. So you witnessed her um, going she, through that too. She, she accepted Jesus right there and there. Wow. And, and what was exciting about this is that night she found her way to our church and she stood up all excited and she recited all the names of the books of the Bible. I mean, this is in a period of a couple of hours. Several days later, she called me and she said, I've got to tell you something. I've got a question for you. She said, um, she said, I, you know, and I didn't know this when we had met. Um, she said, I have a boyfriend that I'm living with. And she said, I'm feeling convicted. She said, do you think I should, you know, leave him or not? Now, one, she's Jewish. Two, she's re- she has cancer, had cancer. I failed to mention that. And she was relying on this person for a roof over her head, for medical care. And everything and she said should I leave him and very unlike me getting involved in people's lives I said I can't answer that for you I said you need to ask ask God and ask would it be pleasing for him one way or the other and ultimately she did leave him because she felt that she was cheating or whatever it might have been but she felt that it was not becoming to her relationship with God. That's that's the movement. That's what God can do. Mm-hmm. And yes. he'll speak to new believers in the way that he spoke to her, right. in the way that he spoke to me. It's He will make himself very real. 
uh, there's an old adage too if about uh, laying out a fleece going back to Joseph uh, if you lay out a fleece and there are many people who've said God if you really exist show me that you exist and if you keep an open mind and an open heart mm-hmm. he'll show mm-hmm. you that he exists amen it's so true and so there there are wonderful things that that God will do if if you just let him. So these scales have to be removed from your eyes, and most Jews do not see it. In my own case... But do you think it's because they're not exposed to the New Testament? No. I still think it's the scales, and I think it's Judaism that keeps them from that. Um, okay. Because, remember, the Old Testament was around and that's all they had and that Jesus even referred to the Old Testament because that's what there was. Now is the Torah strictly Old Testament? Torah is strictly Old Testament. And and you know in, in it, there's even problems with that. If you go back historically back around 1100 there's a there was a a rabbi a translator a guy who used to write Torahs and his name was Maimonides. And um he in a translation he missed a little mark i can't do it on radio but it's a little mark it's called a yud and he left that off one very critical verse in deuteronomy deuteronomy 6:4 which is the shema the shema is eretz yisrael adonai echad hero israel the lord of god the lord is one well, that Yud changes that definition from Hero Israel, the Lord our gods. The Lord is one God, meaning like in my case, the false family. It's one family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One family, but under one name. And early Jews, even you know, even before Christ and even after Christ. They understood that Judaism was not monotheistic. It was polytheistic. They believed that there was a Father. They believed that there was a Holy Spirit because those are spoken of in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament. I mean, what else would you call the being that was in the fiery furnace with Meshach, Shadrach, Mm -hmm. and Abednego? This was with, with... uh, Jacob at Peniel wrestled with one as God who, you know, we know, and that was a physical person that they wrestled with, a physical being. So what is so extreme about that? God has revealed himself, Old Testament, in types and shadows of the New Testament where he's made it very clear. And uh, Do you think they really understand the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? In the, even in the Old Testament? It's, no, it's, it's because it's very conceptual. And first, if you go to, and I spent years, not a lot of years. I mean, I was pretty much a youth when my mother died and I dropped out of the synagogue and by uh, bar mitzvah studies and everything. But no, because they don't really make it clear. In fact, I believe that if you talk to a rabbi, a rabbi would say, no, we're, we're a very monotheistic. There is... There's nobody other than God himself. So perhaps they don't even know it that either. Correct. Same thing with the scales. Same things with the now, scales. Now, this is where you can move into move into the New Testament as an example. 
looking at whose whose grave was Jesus buried in? Nicodemus. Nicodemus started questioning. Mm-hmm. You know, and when did he come to Jesus? At night, because he mm-hmm. did not want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Because he's the guy who's supposed to know all the answers. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Pharisees. He was a rabbi. You know, he was he was elite. He didn't want to be seen. This, these are all things that, and he's mm-hmm. he's opening up to Jesus and saying, I don't understand these things. How can one be born again? Mm-hmm. The scales, his heart was open. His scales and started his skills, to fall from yes. his eyes. And I think there has to be a desire. But in, in my case, as I had mentioned uh, when we first met, was that I'm not a theologian. I'm just a little Jewish boy that Jesus loved and God loved before I loved him. In fact, I questioned Amen. him. I shook my fist at him, but he had picked me. You know, it's we're referred to, the Jew is referred to in the New Testament. Jesus says, he's the vine and we're the branches. So he, he picked me, he picked me. And anybody else can be grafted into that same vine, but you have to want to do that. Right. And I think it's critical that when, when people are talking to Jews, you can't go to them and throw John 3.16 at them and say, but for God... So love so love the, the world, world that he gave his only, <laughs> only begotten, begotten son. Yeah. Because the Jews gonna go, Yeah, so you know They're I not gonna get it. They're I, not gonna understand it. They don't get it. That's yeah. all New Testament. Yeah, it's New Testament. Uh, so that's that's a funny thing. Now talking about that verse is kind of interesting too. I, I think it's kind of interesting. Because if you look at that the if you look at the words that are used there, and again, not being a theologian, I'm, I'm reciting what somebody else told me, what I've learned over the years. But when, when Abraham took Isaac up onto the mountain and built the altar to sacrifice him, the words that are used there is that he's giving his only begotten son, but the actual... Mm. The 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 Hebrew the ancient Hebrew to that is my only possession. I'm giving up my only possession. Think in modern terms of maybe a homeless person, and their only possession is a picture of their mother. Mm. That is their only possession. Those are the same words now that we use in John three sixteen. Is that God gave His only possession. possession. Which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. Yeah. So it's it goes beyond my only begotten son. But I still have the creation. I still have the world. I still have the Holy Spirit. I still have everybody. Exactly. No, he gave his one and only possession. And that's 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 my feeling on where that is. Um so I was going to ask you, the how can the Torah not recognize Jesus, who died on the cross and was seen by over 400 people after his resurrection, but because of the New Testament, there was no New, New Testament, Testament, right? It's, it's there if you look. And I would challenge, mm-hmm. you know, too many Christians, and this is an opinion thing, too many Christians spend their whole life in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but... Without the Old Testament. Or you could say some of them even spend their time in the Old Testament. I've met Christians who've done that. True. Uh, in fact, yeah. a lot of your Messianic 
Jews. That's mm-hmm. all they do. It's mm-hmm. still, I'm a Christian, but my life and the and all of the worship and all of the festivals, they're all Old Testament for me. And that's true too. But one does not work without the other. Um, the It's all types and shadows. What is revealed in one is in a shadow in the other. And it goes back and forth. If you look at it as one unit, not a New Testament or an Old Testament, but you look at it as the the inspired word of God, that is just huge. It is just huge. And that's why, and a lot of people, and, and I used to do it myself, especially as a new Christian, I would always use one verse to substantiate my point. You can't do that. You have to take, you have to take the whole context of what that verse is in. And if you do that, it's easy for the Lord to work through you that in your daily Bible readings, if you read the Bible daily, or you know, I'm not saying a person should or shouldn't, that's a personal conviction, but you can read the same verse and it means something totally different because God, inspired word of God, is speaking something different to you that's applicable to your life at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And that is just huge to go like... My conversations never go unanswered or without a response. And they are always current event for me. They're current applicable to now, not what happened in my life five years ago or ten years from now. Especially, or ago, you know, especially what happened yesterday. Maybe I did something, I can't think of anything offhand specifically, but... I probably did something, I'm probably pretty sure, that was not pleasing to God, but that's already forgiven. Exactly. It's, Amen. It's forgiven. That's, you know, anointed, sealed, gone. Mm-hmm. It's So that doesn't give me a license to go out and, and sin. It just, right. It's just one of those things. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach, and I'm talking with today's special guest, who's a Jewish Christian, Howard Fultz from... Peoria, Arizona, and we are talking about his testimony when God took the scales off his eyes, just like God did with Saul in Acts 9.18. Howard, does the Torah talk about a new earth or a new Jerusalem? It sure does. I mean, it, it goes through, it doesn't talk about a new Jerusalem, but it does talk about heaven. And it seems to me, again, not taking a theological, but an observant standpoint is that Jews pretty much go like, well, okay, if I get through the holidays and especially with uh, Rosh Hashanah coming up this, or uh, Yom Kippur coming up this next week uh, or a week and a half from now, whatever it is, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good to go for another year. I'm going to be, but it seems to me, my, my observation is that you spend too much time consumed with Sheol, the grave, more so than a, being a new creation. They just, they want, and, you know, if I was only a practicing Jew today, and I, I don't want to be wagging a finger at Jews, but if I was a Jew today, I would be really concerned as I look back in the Old Testament at how many times God, frankly, got really angry with his people. Mm-hmm. In fact, at one point, 
wiping out like 40,000 of his beloved children in one shot, just opening up the earth and gone. Uh, I don't know, because I have family that's Jewish. I have friends that are Jewish. Now, are they Jewish Christian, your family no, members? No, they are not. So you're the first. I am, and probably going to be the last. But uh, And what happened when you did uh, accept Christ into your life? Were you um, still accepted? <laughs> well, when I was a kid... I used to walk down to the school that was a block away and it was our elementary school and there were some big oak trees and there were a number of squirrels that used to live in these trees. And I used to take cookies and put them in my pockets and I would feed the squirrels or they would even reach in my pockets and <laughs> take, squir- uh, take uh, cookies out of my pockets. How cute. So my father had told my sister that I had accepted Jesus or, or it was vice versa. And the response was like, well, what do you expect from a kid that talks to squirrels? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, and it's, as funny as that is, it was, it was never really a point of contention. Okay. But I knew that I might lose my family, but I would have been grafted into a much larger family. But you didn't lose them. I, I did not. And um, Praise the Lord. You know, that was okay. And I, you know, yeah. before my dad died... Uh, about almost 20 years ago, I did get a chance to witness to him. and How did that go? Not very well. And uh, my stepmother at the time did everything on the face of the earth to not allow me one-on-one time with him. Uh, I'm sorry about that. So my wife grabbed her by the arm and said, we're going to go for a walk. And... uh, you know, it, it came down to the point like, well, if you want me to accept this Jesus of yours, I will do that. And I said, Dad, you can't do that because that means nothing. You, it's This mm-hmm. is not something you can do for me or that I want you to do for me. You mm-hmm. need to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Didn't work well. And uh, I did have an opportunity to talk to a church that was pretty much across the street, was in Assemblies of God across the street from where they lived. <clears throat> And uh, they said they'd be happy to come and visit him, just some home visitation, and try to witness. My stepmother kept them away from him as well. And, uh, yeah, that was that was not a great highlight of my life. But, but God knows. <laughs> exactly. God and I, knows. And I can't say that my father didn't accept him. But uh, that's that's just kind of where that is. That's, in, right. That's past. When a Jewish person sees a rabbi, is the rabbi a high priest in all the authority of the Torah? Probably no more than the priest is in a Roman Catholic church. Okay. <laughs> um, and again, as Nicodemus proved with Jesus, no, they don't know everything. Yes. That's, you know, that's... Again, this is opinion, not theological. Exactly. But Nicodemus kind of revealed through that. I I believe, just like in many non-Jewish religions and churches and whatever, a lot of it is, look at me, look who I am, look at the position I have attained. In fact, Mm -hmm. I would go as far as to say there are Christian churches where that... uh, is prevalent as well. And that's where I believe mm-hmm. guidance from the Lord, asking the Lord to give you 
each individual wisdom. I mean, really, Solomon. Solomon could have asked God for For anything. riches and, Absolutely. and prosperity. What did he ask for? Wisdom. Wisdom. Mm-hmm. The, the value of wisdom is amazing. I mean, I, I'm still amazed as many times as I've read Proverbs from the book of Proverbs, Old Testament. Those Proverbs, again, we're talking 3,000, 3,500 years old. Virtually every single one is applicable mm-hmm. in 19, or 2019, 2020. They're still applicable today. Absolutely. That's wisdom. Mm-hmm. God's wisdom. And I believe it's the first one where Solomon says, um, the beginning of wisdom. No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, beginning of, of wisdom. wisdom. Mm-hmm. That was such a great beginning for the for being the and first proverb. And, and so we, beautiful. And the Bible goes into Old Testament particularly, the fear of God, the fear of God. And it's not a fearful it's a respect. Yes, it's a respect fear. It's and it's it's yes. and it's amazing. And once you get past that, the non believer goes like, But I I don't want to live in fear of my God. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. It's that's kind of a translational thing. Right. It has to it be does. explained it the does. type of fear that, that we're talking about. Or that the Bible is talking about. Yes. How can the Jewish Torah believers be so blinded about Jesus? One is they don't want to. Two is fear. Their absolute fear of ostracism or uh, of, by family, by the synagogue, by their own, their 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 families, everything, um, hiding behind things. Some they don't want to look. Or like in my case, I I knew there was something to a relationship with Jesus. I knew there was something there, even as a non-believer. So you had no fear either. I right? had no fear. Your desire was so great. It was curiosity. Okay. Because I I love using an analogy of a shower door or a shower enclosure that has the frosted glass or it's opaque or it's kind of carved. You can see there's something going on there, but you don't know what. And the only way you can find out is by stepping through. Kind of like death. It's, you know, you know, there is life beyond death, but nobody wants to die. You know, it's the same thing. The Jew doesn't really want to go beyond that shower door. It's like, yeah, but can I live with not what's going on? That's where wisdom comes in, the scales falling from your eyes, and somebody that you can trust, that you know, that that believes in, in Jesus. And to take them by the hand and take them there in a comforting, loving way. Uh, and, I, and I say that because I, in my early That's days, true. I ran into uh, several groups of Jewish believers, and I, I really don't want to mention them, but they really come on very aggressively, very, very aggressively. Oh, and hard. my feeling there is they're, they're doing what they think is right. My opinion is, I believe they may be turning off an an opportunity, maybe eternally, to touch their Jewish brethren. Just a random thought. 
So Why did God put the scales over the Jewish eyes, Howard? The only thing I can think, I, I you know, I don't really know. Maybe it had to do with a, a winnowing, winnowing out process. But I think looking at the life and history, more history of the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, the Hebrew children throughout time they just didn't do very well they disobeyed god's specific orders uh his so god knew their hearts you know i just think it's a distraction i i think a lot of it is just distraction they get uh they go off on tangents and you know i'd almost come back and say why did jews vote democratic yet democrats don't do anything for them why do blacks vote democratic they don't do anything for blacks it's just it's what we've always done so more of like a tradition i think so and and you know whatever our ancestors or our I yeah, ex- have done. I we just Jesus kinda... a long time ago, and a long t- and when I say a long time ago, the problems that are happening today with Islam in America and around the world weren't as great as what they were. And we used to have a little joke going on that if you ask the typical Jew why there is a rift between you know uh, Isaac and Jacob. Nobody can even tell you what the reason is because it's so far detached. Well, it's not detached anymore. I mean, it's a real, real problem, but it goes back to back that far. So, no, I don't know why people do what they do. And I don't want to say just Jews. Mm-hmm. I, I think part of it is ignorance. I think part of it is fear. Uh, I think part of it is because of the scales. And maybe the scales even protect people. Um I would suspect that's part of the issue, but I, I don't know. I should probably spend more time asking the Lord to show me. Maybe I don't even want to know, and he doesn't want me to know. Someday we'll all know. Now, what happens to a Jew that leaves the Jewish tradition? Like, normally. I know in your case, your family still accepted you, well, but normally... Yeah, I'm not sure what normalcy is in that case, but I know in a lot of cases... It's like any other religion. You're dead to me. Mm-hmm. You're you're just dead. You're you've never existed. You're not in my life. You're not in the family. Uh, sometimes it can be pretty pretty difficult, especially from a large Jewish family. But by the same token, if if there are fifty people in that large Jewish family, how many more are they adopting when they're going to Christianity? And and the thing is, and and one of the things. Um, about leaving Jews are huge guilt trippers if you have a Jewish family and you say I hurt my shoulder the typical response would be like well both of my shoulders hurt and my elbows and my knees (laughs) no there's always an one Mm -hmm. upsmanship that Mm -hmm. my situation is worse and you mean somebody else says that yeah, the like other, one person, the other person say, is going to say, say that. I okay. mean, it's like, you know, man, I've got this horrible head cold. 
I almost died. You know, <laughs> it's just they're always going to have a one-upsmanship. Mm-hmm. And in Judaism, it's like if I came to you and said, Maria, I, I'm going to leave Judaism. The typical response that that person would get was, how could you do that? You're betraying right. your family. You're betraying the millions of Jews that were murdered at Auschwitz and Dachau and, you know, and on and on and on. You're, you know, the, you, you even betrayed the Jews that, that ended up committing suicide at Masada. It just, how could you do this? You're, you're trampling on the graves of the millions and millions of Jews that helped you get where you are now. You know, it, there's a there's a one-upsmanship, and it's it. If you can get over the guilt thing, unless you actually play into it, you know. But I feel personally, and everyone that I know that is a completed Jew, I would say every one of them would say that they are more Jewish today than they were before they accepted Jesus. Wow. Now, do you have a, f- any friends that are Jewish Christians yourself? I do. I have, I have several. And we, we... Do, you, do you both or do you all experience or have experienced the same things? Ironically, yes. Pretty, pretty yes. much so. Uh, I'm thinking of one particular person right now. And his family, they haven't disowned him, but they shake their heads like, how could you do this? But they talk to him, right? They, they at they least talk to him. Talk the, to him, but they can't talk theologically because, again, right. they don't believe the things he believes. Now he he and I talk, and we have wonderful theological discussions. Again, two non theologians talking theologically, and it's it gets really good. And we usually come out with more questions than not, and then you just go, Lord, show me, show me Thy ways. Amen. That's kind of cool. Now, I'm really curious um, how Jewish children are raised in the homes. I am, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, I mean, to learn the Torah, to learn the Torah, how do they also just like the Christians, you know, they go to Bible study? Well, because I'm just so curious about it, because children are so open to Jesus. They are. Um. I would, I think you have to understand that there are many different sects of Judaism. Okay. I came out of the reform area, which would be the the laid back hippie of the nineteen sixties. It's just like, well, whatever is it. It was it lacked a lot of structure. Uh, I did go to Sunday school. I went uh, twice a week to Hebrew school, Friday night services. Um, that was pretty much my life. Was I heavily indoctrinated? I would say no, which made it even easier for me to leave Judaism. But there are some... So when you're more indoctrinated, you're less likely to get out of Because you're also surrounded closer by people of like mind. Like if you were a Sephardic Jew mm-hmm. or even a, a strong Orthodox Jew, right. it's, it's a lot more strict, very strict. Um, and if you're sheltered, you may not even be introduced to Jesus. 
you know, and Jesus certainly isn't going to be taught in Hebrew school. So, to, but I have I've heard that Jesus is appearing in dreams in the Middle East. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I've heard that for the last oh, probably five six years that Muslims mm-hmm. are coming to Christianity exactly. in absolute droves from mm-hmm. the same type of dream. In fact, I believe there was there's a PBS or a, a an independent. There's a TV show or shows or a movie. I can't remember. I've seen it. Well, I've watched a show in it in TBN, so that's how and, I know. And, and I've heard YouTube. stories, too. I, I believe they're on YouTube. And you hear this same story repeated over mm-hmm. and over and over. Exactly. But a lot of these people have already questioned Islam. In their hearts. In their they've heart, questioned. Whereas most Jews don't question Judaism. They they. They don't, at least to my knowledge. Um, but in 2020 is a big year, spiritually speaking, for the body of Christ. It is. What it do you is. think is going to happen? Um, Not only to the Jewish. But the world in general. But the world in I, general. You, know, you think the scales are about to, peer, to fall down? The eyes of the Jewish people and also the Gentiles, the unbelievers. I, I'm reluctant to speak on that, and simply because of the fact that I have some pretty strong opinions, and frankly, I think it would upset a lot of people. Um, I I would say that what is going to happen is going to happen, and it will be God-ordained one way or another. Amen. Uh, Yes, because there's so much discussion um, about 2020, um, especially with, you know, uh, President Trump being, people are now wanting him to be reelected. Well, I'm amazed, too, Maria. Look at the difficulty that Netanyahu had. In fact, he did not win the election but only by the grace of God is he still in power. And you would believe that the most conservative nation outside of the United States that has the hand of God on it would not be also slowly succumbing to liberalism. Mm -hmm. How could that happen in Israel? Mm -hmm. And... It's happening. So, and, and that's why I say I've, I've got some pretty strong feelings, but I would also kind of mention also that if you remember, there was a six day war, there was a seven day war, and God prevailed, mm-hmm. Israel prevailed. And I think whatever's going to happen, you need to take that into very serious, very serious consideration. And in the meantime, we pray, pray, excuse me, we pray for Israel. Absolutely. We are called to pray for we Israel. We are called to pray for Israel. Amen. Now, if a listener wanted to get a hold of you, um, Howard, how could he or she get a hold of you? I think the easiest way, Maria, is if they actually contact you and and you can forward that on to me. Um Okay, and then they can get a hold of me, and that is with um, just by my email, 
FCO program at gmail.com. Howard, uh, what are you doing now? Does God have you in a certain ministry right now? Well, I have a ministry that's kind of stagnant called hespeaks.org, and people would be able to look at that if they wanted to. And then, interestingly, I'm retired, but I have a music ministry uh, called The Music of Howard Falls. And We've recorded, and I have stopped performing as like two years ago. Very suddenly, I had a minor stroke, but enough to take me out of that playing field. And uh, so I'm just getting back into playing again, but I, it was a very serious struggle because I'm going, that was my major source of ministry was ministering in word and music, and God took that away from me, so... There was reminiscent of what's happened years ago, shaking my fist at God and saying, why are you taking this away from me? And So are you singing or playing an instrument? I was doing both. I still teach guitar, and I've, most of my students right now play better than I can, but I'm getting back, and we have a what looks like it's going to be another band, and some things are coming up, but my personal abilities have really been diminished a lot from where I was. And it's so... I'm teaching. Uh, we're going to the point where I may have a band coming back together. We've got some good people, and they're good enough people that they can take up for my shortcomings at this point. So we're we're trying to do that because I want to get back out there because I really have a love for gospel music and sharing God's word through music. It just uh, music is huge. Going back from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, and Although we are very, very far from being an angelic sound or ever have been, God knows where we are and he opens the doors and provides for us. And there, are, I do actually have a couple of CDs that are available. There's one that's, that people can find on almost any of the streaming stations, Revival, re.viv.al. Uh, and, and that's called Never Going, uh, Never Going Back. And the other one CD is the music of Howard Falls. And most of the music is original. And that's pretty much the name of the game. That's great. And I know you met my husband through the, the men's ministry from the Venture Church in Glendale, Arizona. Yes. So how's that going? How long well, have you been there? We've, we've been at that church just about a year or so. We'd gotten back from Israel from a trip and, um, and decided to leave the church we were at and went on to the venture, and we just love it. That's great. Howard, thank you so much for coming today to share your testimony about how God um, just took off the scales off your eyes, just like in Acts 9.18, like he did to uh, Saul. And um, I'm so glad that um, God brought you to this program. My husband, Louis, told me all about you, and he was just so thankful and interested in your story because we don't often hear stories or testimonies from Jewish Christians about how they found God, how, um, actually, how God found them. And so um, that's one last question I want to ask you. Why are these stories not being heard about the testimonies from Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians are afraid to speak out. 
Jews are afraid to speak out. Christians are afraid to speak out. I don't think it's limited just to Jewish Christians because today's day and age, everybody is being criticized and, and everybody is offended. And people just would prefer to take the easier road. I'm one of those people that I don't care. I don't care if I'm ostracized. I don't care if I offend somebody, and I do that on a daily basis, offending people. I'm a nudge in, in Yiddish. That's a person who's really a pain in the whatever. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what I do. Because and I, we had kind of talked about this earlier. I don't care because I'm not leaving this place alive anyway. And someone who's offended, the only thing they can take from me is my life, and that already belongs to someone else that belongs to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Howard. Um, would you please um, end in prayer for whatever the Holy Spirit is laying your heart to pray about? Father God, we just come before you in your presence. We just thank you for the opportunity to bring this word to, to the listeners and their families and their lives. And I would pray that it would touch each and every one and help scales to fall from their eyes and their friends' eyes. I would pray that it would allow people to take some seriousness, to spend some more time in your word to show them what you would have them to do for you and to whom to lead them to. I would ask that you would ask for peace for your children, both the Christian and the Jew and those who are both, frankly. Lord, just show people, give people strength, give them power, fill them with the Holy Spirit, give them the strength and and wisdom to use these tools because we have the power through you. We have the tools. We are children of the King. I would ask, Lord, that you would bless this ministry, and I would ask that you would look over this city and cities around the world just like it. They're made up of people, Lord, people in souls, lives, bodies, loves, hates, whatever they have, Lord. We would ask that you would direct these people and show them who you are in the love and what you sacrificed so that they might live a holy and spiritual life in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Faith City Outreach will return next week with another special guest the Lord has brought. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We have run out of time, but Faith City Outreach can be heard again on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. This radio program is sponsored by King Jesus Christ Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.